I hope your Thanksgiving was wonderful and peaceful and loving. But anytime you get family together, right? Especially in an election year. <laughs> you might have a little bit of arguing going on. And maybe it isn't about politics. Maybe it's about something totally different. And sometimes we have uh, big arguments. Sometimes we have uh, weird arguments and pointless arguments and Maybe your Thanksgiving went a little bit like this right here. Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! This is your family. Hold on! Her sister was a witch! Right? And what was her sister? A princess! The witch witch of the east, bro! I'm gonna stab him. You're gonna look at me and you're gonna tell me that I'm wrong? Am I wrong? She wore a crown and she came down in a bucket, dog. I'm not fighting with you. Grow up. I'm not fighting with you. Grow up. Get educated, buddy. Grow up. <laughs> you did you hear what that fight was about? It was about it was about a movie that was that was created uh sixty something years ago. But it was this one guy's favorite movie, he said, The Wizard of Oz. And they were, I don't even know what the argument was about, but something about uh, if she was a witch or if she was a princess, I don't even know. Have you ever gotten it? What's that? I, maybe so. I, I think it's the same thing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Pointless arguments. Pointless arguments that throw everything off kilter. Sometimes we argue amongst ourselves about important things, and sometimes these arguments are ridiculous. And James tells us a little bit about our arguments with one another. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? That's a good question. Why are we fighting? Why are we fighting about the wicked witch of the East? Why are we fighting about politics? Why are we fighting about this or that? And he gives us an idea of why we might be. He says, don't they come from the desires that battle within you? So what he's trying to say is the arguments that we're having, the fights that we get into, the quarrels that we get into have less to do with the fact that I'm upset with DQ for giving me mayonnaise instead of mustard, so I'm going to tell everyone online, don't ever go to the Dairy Queen. And more to do with something that's raging within our hearts. More to do with something that is, is bothering us deep within. There's an interesting term that's come out in the last few years and it is a term that is given to people that uh, of, a, of a of a newer generation where where the older generation feels like they are overly sensitive they can't handle adversity very well and so they call them snowflakes anyone ever heard that and i think that's a pretty good term yeah people are overly sensitive but then I start thinking about it, and I hear all the people that call the snowflakes overly sensitive, and I think, well, they're sure getting kind of sensitive about this. Maybe they're the snowflakes. 
And then I start myself getting all worked up and I realize, well, maybe I'm the snowflake. Something's going on in our society. I don't know if it's social media. I don't know what it might be, but it seems like we are so sensitive. It seems like we're ready for an argument, whether it's to bash the fast food place down the corner or politics or whatever's going on in the school system. And it can even be what's going on in our church. And what James is trying to tell us through the Holy Spirit, he's trying to let us know that these fights, these arguments, these quarrels have less to do with the actual argument of whether it's a movie or a Broadway show and more to do with what's going on in our heart. More to do with what's going on with what we desire in this life. Too often this world has been battling each other. Fights and quarrels. And God has given the church to be out here in this world as the beacon of light to shine out to the community and say, there's a better way. There's a way that leads to peace. There's a way that leads to loving one another. And that's what the church is supposed to be, but is the church out there leading the fight in peace? Or are we just adding to and stirring the pot a little bit? James says in 4 verse 2, You desire, but you do not have. So you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. He says, what is it that we desire? Why is it so important that we're going to fight with our family, fight with our friends, fight with our church, fight with the people that are in our city with us, fight with fellow students, fight with coworkers? Well, one of the things says that, that what we desire is something in our heart that we covet. We want what they have. We want our way. And so if we want what, what they have, a lot of times that give, builds into envy. It builds into uh, disliking that person for what they have. When I started as a youth minister, I came to this church driving a 10-year-old, I wasn't 10 years old at the time, I guess it was 5-year-old Ford Escort, right? Nice ride. And as I was the youth minister, eventually the car gets to about 10 years old, I think is, is, is about how long I had it. And so uh, I, I had this youth group and, and, and I would take kids in this, it was a two-door car and I would pile a, a few kids that I would take home. Uh, and, so, and so they would have to ride in my little Ford Escort with me and I would drop them off. Well, some of these kids that were coming and part of the youth group, eventually they turned 16 and they got their own license. And one of the kids... The 16-year-old got a brand new Camaro. I'm doing the Lord's work. Driving a 10-year-old Ford Escort. And I look at this kid and he's got a brand new Camaro? 
Are you kidding me? That's not right. I want that. And so what is my, uh, what, what is my response to that? Should I, should I sit there and I think, that kid doesn't deserve that? He's got bad parents that aren't teaching him how to work for what he's got. Why do I have to have this? That could be my response. And in some parts of my heart, that probably was a little bit of my response. But I was cutting something that wasn't mine. And I was failing to see the blessings that have been given to me in this life. The fact that I even have a nice little escort to drive me around. That I have a, 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 good, a good job that, that, is, that, that allows me to have a car that I'm not making any payments on, right? We covet what other people have and sometimes our desires turn into fights and quarrels. And so that's some of the things that we want in the world, but then there's other things that we want in the church. Church arguments, and that's who, who James is talking about. He's talking about arguments between brothers and sisters in Christ. And some of the arguments that they have is they want their way. And so, if you want your way in the church, either you want one of two things. You either want what you grew up having... You want this traditional view of church, how you grew up going to church, and you want the traditional songs, you want everything to be like it was when you grew up, and the church you see is this perfect form of a church. Or, you want something else. You want something new. You want something trendy. You want something, the, the bright lights, big city. I, used to, I would go to this, uh, this one uh, youth area-wide uh, this this youth event right and they had fog lights and laser light shows and it was just this crazy overkill and we'd sing to, through fog lights and not fog lights fog machines and laser lights and some people might say well that's what the church needs we want this or we want that. And realistically, Scripture doesn't talk about either of those things. But these are the desires of our heart and we can either go for it and, 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 and fight about it, which is better. Or we can have a different desire. Desire to follow what God wants. So Paul's talking to Titus. And Paul is, Titus is, is a young man. He's trying to grow this church over in Crete. And he's trying to teach him how to, how to get elders and deacons in the church. And he's trying to teach how, how, how Titus needs to make sure that the church knows how to go through conflict. And so as Paul writes to Titus, he says in Titus chapter 3 verse 9, Avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they're unprofitable and they're worthless. 
What Paul wants Titus to know is these, these things... The scripture doesn't talk about these, these, uh, these things about the law that, that are not addressed. They're not commands. He says, quit arguing about those things because they're unprofitable. It's worthless. All it's doing is causing dissension. And all you're seeing are people trying to get the desires of their heart out. There is a way to discuss opposing views without fighting. There is a way to look into the Scripture and and to find out uh, how we can do what's best without fighting. But to do that, both sides need to take out their desires. These desires to do what we want. The desires to have what we had. Desires to change what we want to change. And then have the desire. Replace that with the desire to do what God wants to do for His church. It's what God wants is is the most important thing. It doesn't matter what the history is. It it doesn't matter what, what everyone else is changing to. It's where is God's desire? And are we willing to submit to that? Because when we're not willing to submit to that, we're saying our desire is greater than God's. Our desire is greater than our fellow brother and sister. And so then he says in verse 2 and 3, he says, you do not have because you don't ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. He says, do you want great things in this world? Well, the problem, the reason you don't have them is because you didn't ask for them. And I don't think I ever asked for a Camaro. But if I did ask for a Camaro, it probably would not have been the right reason. I probably could have asked God, God, please bless me with a minivan. And that, God would probably have given me that minivan so I could take kids home easily. I didn't ask God that. But he's saying, what you ask for should be for the right reasons. What should we be asking God for? What does God want us to ask Him for? What would make our heart in tune with God's that we're asking Him for the things that He desires? When I think about that question, I think if God really is going to bless us with with uh, what we ask for. What would he want in this world? As we look at what's going on statistically in this world, from when I was a kid, when I was born, 1976, about 90% of the people in this country claimed to be Christians. 90% claimed Christianity. At least what statistics said. In 2021, that number has dropped about 30%. To where only about 64% of the American population claims to be a Christian. Makes that claim that they are Christian. That's a pretty significant drop, right? That's an incredibly 
large drop in people that are saying that they want to be followers of Christ. I would say that's a problem. Then we look at the churches and, and see how many churches are, are, uh, are, are fading away. It said last year, in 2021, 4,000 churches closed their doors. 4,500 churches closed their doors. The good news was about 3,000 churches were formed. But that's still a loss of 1,500 churches. I'm not 100% sure how accurate all those stats are. But I am pretty sure that the churches in the United States are on a decline. And I got to thank God has a desire for that to be reversed. Not every church is dying, but there are some that, that, that are. And then there are some churches that are growing because they're doing what God desires. And God's blessing them. And I'd really be bothered if this world just looked at these churches that were dying and, and, and the people that weren't claiming to, to follow Christ anymore and, then, and everyone was just doing great. But I start checking out some things about mental health in this world. And do you realize in that same amount of time where we've lost about 30% of the churches, the National Institute of Mental Health says the suicide rate has increased by 30%. And the attempts have increased. And depression has increased. And so we're losing the church, but that doesn't mean that the church isn't needed. And that doesn't mean that God isn't needed. He's, it's needed more now than ever. As people are leaving Christ, their life isn't getting better. Their life is struggling and it should be getting better. We live in a world where we don't hunger for the most part. There's a fast food restaurant for you to complain about on every corner. We have air conditioning in most buildings. Minimum wage is crazy high. I made five bucks an hour when I was a kid. But we're depressed. And I think the reason is we don't have God in our lives. So what should we want? What should we desire? What does God want us to desire? I would think God wants us to be a church that is growing and reaching out to this world that is struggling. Romans 12.2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. What Paul is telling us is, is uh, we need to change the way we're thinking. Our thinking shouldn't just be how we can get what we want, how the church can reflect what I want, but the church needs to reflect what God wants to do in this world. The church should be something that is going out and reaching those that are lost, those that are hurting. And how do we do that? Well, Paul tells Titus 
Make sure you don't argue about pointless things. And so he says in Titus verse, chapter 3, verse 8, this is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to, to insist on these things, so that those who believe in God may be careful to devote themselves to do good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. So my question is, are we a church that devotes ourselves to the good works? Do we devote ourselves to the good works of Jesus Christ? And if we're not a church that devotes ourselves to the good works of Jesus Christ, we're missing the mark. As we've studied through the book of James, he's talked about something called the perfect law. And he's talked about something called the royal law. And both times that he's talking about that, he talks about that uh, splattered throughout James. But each time he's talking about that, he's talking about what Jesus calls the perfect law and what Jesus calls the greatest commands. And what is that? It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And what James is trying for us to see is there is an emphasis on this second part. Are we loving our neighbor? We're not doing that if we're fighting and quarreling. We're not doing that if we're using our tongue to bash people. We're not doing that if we're just concerned about unrighteous wealth, building ourselves up. If we want to be a church that has the same desires as God, we need to be a church that is practicing these perfect laws and royal laws. I had an interesting uh, conversation with a guy a couple of weeks ago. This guy was pretty interesting. He was, uh, he was in, the, in the United States Air Force. He was a pilot, and he trained NATO pilots. So people from Poland and all sorts of different places would come over to Wichita uh, Falls, I think is where, where that air base is, and he would train them how to fly planes, and he would send them back to their country, and they're part of NATO. So it was pretty interesting, and he was asking me what I did for a living. I told him I'm a, a minister. He said, what church? I said, the Chandler Street Church of Christ in Kilgore. And he says, Church of Christ. Now, is that the church that, uses, that doesn't use instrumental music? And I said, yeah, that's us. And many times whenever I've talked about being a minister of the Church of Christ or going to the Church of Christ, that's something that people often say is, well, so the Church of Christ, they don't use instruments. And I love the history of the Church of Christ. I love that we can sit here and worship a cappella. I think it helps us to be better singers. I think a cappella music is, is some of the most powerful music out there. I think it allows us to be anywhere. I can go on a mountaintop and I can sing How Great Thou Art. And I don't need the accompany of any instrument. And I think that's awesome that we're this. But one thing that does bother me is it's that that we're known for. As the greatest thing that people think about us, it's just that, 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 we're, that we don't worship, worship with instruments. I think there's got to be so many greater things to be known for. We should be known for so, some of the, the royal law. We should be known for the perfect law. 
These are beautiful things that we have in, in our tradition, in our faith, but we should be known for something so much greater as well. I think if you talk to the Russ County Elections Office, they say, what do you know about the Chandler Street Church of Christ? They would probably tell you, anytime we need their help to run an election, they are here and they're going to help us out. I think if you talk to the Kilgore Police Department, uh, Chris's relationship with them for many years and, and, and my relationship with them and, and the way that we opened our doors whenever they asked us if, if they could host uh, COVID testing here, or any time they've needed us to come and, and, and deal with um, victim services, we've answered the call. They would say, this church answers the call each time that we need their help. And I think if you talk to the kids and families that came through during trunks of treats, they would say, this is a church that opens their doors and opens their hearts and opens the grill and opens their trunk to give joy to these kids. I would love to be a church that's known through this community. And I think we are doing a good job of that. That does good work. That sees those that are in need. And we try our best to follow the perfect law. We try our best to follow the royal law of loving our God and loving our neighbors. I believe it's God's desire for us to be able to reach out to this city and to teach them about Jesus Christ. But the thing is, reaching out can be different all the time. It's, it's the reaching out that, that changes. There used to be reaching out with John the Baptist and he was out in the wilderness and he reached out by wearing uh, strange camel skins and eating locusts and, and, and doing weird things. And people came out to that and this teaching was the same. It's turn from your sins and turn to Jesus. Thankfully, we don't have that reach out anymore. Our reach out has changed. But our teaching is the same. Turn from your sins and turn to Christ. James says in James chapter 4, verse 4, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means intimacy, enmity, against God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? What James wants us to realize is, what are we doing? What do we desire? Are we desiring what we want? Are we desiring what the world wants? Do we want to look like the world? If you want to look like the world, then you are going to be a friend of the world, and an enemy of God. Or, we can choose a different path. We can choose to draw close to God. To desire what He desires. And it says in verse 7, in order to do that, it says, to submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. If we want to have what God desires, what means we've got to draw near to God, we've got to put away the things of this world and draw close to God. So how do we draw close to God? It's what we've been studying since September. It's how we become mature in our faith. 
what James wrote to the Christians and what the Holy Spirit says to us. Is we need to draw near to God and we have to mature in Him. So how do we draw near to God? First thing we need to do is we need to... And trials bring us down. If we're going to draw near to God, we don't need to let troubles and trials draw us down, but we need to be patient in those. And we need to go to God in prayer during those trials and troubles. It says we need to choose godly wisdom over the temporary earthly wisdom. So eternal godly wisdom. It says we don't need to live for unrighteous wealth or the things that we just want and crave and covet in this world. But we need to live for what God desires. It says that we need to make sure that the plans that we have in our life aren't just plans that that we desire, but we always put God in our plans. To draw close to God means that we don't just say we have faith, but we put that faith into action. We practice the royal law. We practice the perfect law. We practice loving our brothers and sisters. And we practice honoring God with our heart, soul, strength, and mind. It tells us that to draw near to God, it means we need to listen more. And we need to use our tongue to glorify God and to uplift others, not tear them down. And finally, it says that we talked about last week, we need to seek His will in prayer. And when we seek His will in prayer, we also realize the blessings that we're given and we sing those out in thankfulness to Him in song. That's what it means to draw near to God. That's how we grow in Christ. That's how we become mature followers of Christ. You can draw near to God today. You can be baptized into Him. You can give Him your life. And you can have the Holy Spirit dwell within you so that you will constantly work on drawing closer to Him each day. And you'll learn to have a heart that desires what He has. He'll give you those blessings because your heart is in tune with His. Or if you have any, please come while we stand and sing.